This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, December 22nd. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, a grim COVID Christmas, Bluegrass announces a 49th festival lineup, Smart rolls into 2022, and a mountain weather forecast. San Miguel County is in a grim state when it comes to the coronavirus pandemic, and we head into the holiday weekend. As of this morning, um, we've had over 70 new positive cases come in through um, public health, um, both through PCR testing on the Monday um, community test site, as well as a handful of at-home tests. Um, which is really um, a significant uptick. That's San Miguel County Public Health Director Grace Franklin speaking at a Board of County Commissioners meeting on Wednesday. She adds, when looking at San Miguel's incident and positivity rate, the community should expect to see a shift in the coming days. She notes there is a delay on the state level for reporting data. I would anticipate us to hit level red um, for both of those in two days um, as um, This is a really unprecedented um, spike of cases. With that said, Franklin says at this time, public health doesn't plan to implement more restrictive public health orders when it comes to restaurants and businesses. She says that's in part due to a lack of compliance on the orders already in place. From our perspective, the mask mandate's a very mild um, approach. Um, And I think has gotten a lot of pushback and um, increased resistance. Um, so it's make, it makes the concept of if we were to do our own local snapback, um, how much benefit would that be, right? Especially if we don't have state-level support to the degree needed. But she does encourage businesses to prepare for a potentially difficult several weeks. For businesses, it's how can you plan for worst case scenarios? What does your skeleton crew or leanest model looks like to operate safely? Because quarantining and isolation guidelines will not change due to strain because um, we need to take care of the health of our community um, first and foremost. On the individual level, Franklin says public health is going into triage mode for testing and contact tracing. Given the high numbers, we our staffing is really strained already um, and we, all, we can only do so much. Um, I spoke with the state health department today and they also have limited um, capacity to outreach to all known positives and so we're implementing a triage um, to respond to those in highest risk and highest need, um, and then um, providing information and guidance um, for those um, that either um, have been through this before or um, might be a lower risk um, scenario. Franklin says for the time being, anyone who is symptomatic or symptomatic and a close contact should isolate immediately for 10 days. We're asking that you presume that you are positive, right? So if you've been in contact with someone who's infectious and you're sick, I would presume that you are positive at this point, regardless of vaccination status, and you should isolate 10 full days with the onset of symptoms. For those who are a close contact but vaccinated and asymptomatic, Franklin says to reduce interactions, especially with those who are vulnerable, be vigilant on mask use, pay close attention to symptoms, and isolate immediately if symptoms start. When it comes to holiday plans, Franklin recommends canceling large gatherings or travel to high-risk areas. There are currently no more public health opportunities for testing until after the Christmas holiday.
The one bright ray of news, Franklin notes federal regulators recently approved a new oral antiviral to treat those who are infected with COVID-19. That really has really high um, benefits to reduce severity of disease. So I think this is going to be a game changer for our rural community um, that doesn't that doesn't have access to monoclonal antibody treatments in the same light. On the statewide level, Governor Jared Polis says his administration is ramping up coronavirus testing and vaccine clinics to avoid the long lines some places on the East Coast are seeing due to the Omicron variant. KOTO Scott Franz has more. Polis says the variant's quick spread in other states could offer a preview of what will happen here. It's not yet the dominant strain, but he says it soon will be, and it is spreading more quickly to Colorado's mountain towns. And this is also no different than our very first encounter with COVID in our state in March of 2020. Uh, it, it'll hit the areas that have significant visitation first. And so what we're seeing is the increases in Pitkin, in Eagle County, in Summit County. That does not come as a surprise to us. Polis announced plans to combat the variant with increased testing and booster shots just minutes after President Biden announced his own plan to send half a billion free testing kits to Americans. Colorado has mailed out 1.3 million rapid tests through a similar program it started this fall. I'm Scott Franz at the state capitol. Christmas is coming early this year. On Tuesday, Planet Bluegrass announced the initial lineup for the 49th annual Telluride Bluegrass Festival. Kicking off the weekend with comedy rock duo Tenacious D on Thursday, the lineup also features Tyler Childers, Green Sky Bluegrass, and Watch House. Telluride favorites such as Sam Bush, Bela Fleck, My Bluegrass Heart, the Telluride house band Chris Thiele, the Tim O'Brien band Molly Tuttle, and the infamous String Dusters will also grace the stage. The festival will also feature artists such as Rhiannon Giddens and Francesco Torisi, Rising Appalachia, The Kitchen Dwellers, Twisted Pine, and A.J. Lee and the Blue Summit. The 49th annual Telluride Bluegrass Festival will take place in Town Park, June 16th to 19th, 2022. Earlier this month, the San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation joined the club of other public entities that recently passed a 2022 budget. KOTO's Matt Hoish spoke with Smart Executive Director David Averill about the year ahead and the year in the rearview mirror for the regional transit body. The conversation started by focusing on some of the highlights from 2021. I am super pleased that ridership has come back because we were operating at a quarter capacity or something like that going into the year. People are obviously nervous about being in an enclosure with other people for a while, but they've all come back. Most of them have come back and it's been great. So I think that's the biggest sort of recovery minded thing. I know you also had a couple of expansions this past year. Can you talk a bit about those? True. The Two Rivers expansion um, down into Two Rivers and Ilium, went, I think launched in June, if I remember right. And then about a month ago, we expanded out to Nucleo Natarita with the Norwood route. Well, sticking on the expansion train for a sec, what are some of the other expansions that SMART is considering over the next year or multiple years that people can at least keep in their notebooks to look forward to? Sure. Uh, a couple of things are going to happen in 2022. Number one, I think uh, I'm pretty excited about is to add an additional run from Norwood to tell you riding back, but midday, so people could actually get a ride to work if they start at one or two in the afternoon. But then there'll be a return trip late in, later in the evening too to get those same people home that might work a non-traditional retail or service schedule. Um, and then the other one, and I'm not quite sure on the timing of either of these, um, but the other one that we have in the budget for next year is a commuter link from the Lawson Hill area 
up to Mountain Village to provide a direct link. So I think it's going to be a really great sort of plug a gap in the network that we have right now. Was there another one you wanted, another expansion there? Or uh, that well, you those? asked about future years. Yeah. So I get into speculation territory a little bit, but I'm, I'm comfortable doing that because I have to start thinking about it now. Um, but I think if we play our cards right, revenue stays strong. Um, it's within our strategic operating plan and, and, and mission um, to start a route from Montrose to Telluride. And I think that there's a very good potential we could do that in 2023. The key thing right now is going to be finding buses to run that route this year because it takes about 12 months to get a bus. One other thing I know SMART did this past year was an electric bus feasibility study to see if it would be possible to make SMART electric. Can you briefly go over the results of that and the potential yeah. for getting some electric buses in the future? You know, that study was about a nine-month effort, maybe tw maybe 12 months effort. And we analyzed every single route that we do, trying to figure out what routes are right for the picking for electric buses because they don't work everywhere. And, the, and that's really mainly a technological issue with the current state of electric buses. They're just not fully developed quite yet. Um, but it turned out that we could potentially use them on the Norwood route. So there's a discussion going on. I don't think it's a done deal that we will do that because we're still a small agency. Jumping into the electric bus field is a big deal. You're not really not going back after you do that. <laughs> and there are still some, some limitations that we're a little bit weary of. We understand completely the desire of this community, and it resonates with me as the administrator of SMART to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in every way we can. Well, the interesting thing about transit is that, especially SMART, because we are such a small agency, that we don't actually emit that much compared to, like, a huge fleet. And the bang for the buck might be getting more people on our buses if we want to take a true measure of air quality savings, you know. So that's something that um, I really want to double down on in 2022 is our customer service making sure that we're running on time, making sure that we're consistent. I don't know that w w when we're going to move on electric buses. I see it in our future, but I'm not sure if it's super imminent quite yet. And that's, that's a conversation I hope to have with the board here in the early part of this next year. Well, staying now on 2022 and the recently passed budget, are there any other highlights from the budget that you want to point out to listeners for things to look forward to in the next year to come? Yeah, I think there's a really kind of a hidden gem in there that hasn't gotten a lot of light shined on it yet. And that's our senior and disabled mobility gap study that we're going to be doing this next year. Um, that's within our purview and within our mission to look at the existing services in this area for those those users and make sure that we're getting them where they need to go. They're very non-traditional trips. They're not commuter type trips. They're not tourist trips. They're very medically centered, things like that. And so we want to convene some potential partners from around the region and take a look at what's happening and how we might be able to improve things. David Averill is the executive director of the San Miguel Authority for Regional Transportation. David, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us and hope you enjoy the end of the year holidays. You too. Thanks, Matt. It's a well-known fact. Access to mental health resources in San Miguel County can be a challenge. But the Telluride Regional Medical Center is trying to do its part to change that. The medical center, in partnership with um, the county, is providing some funding through the San Miguel County Behavioral Health Assistance Fund, uh, is three-way partnering between those two, and Sondermind, which is an online therapy service, in order to provide 10 free grant-funded therapy sessions to folks who um, might be underinsured or uninsured or that 
cost would be a barrier to accessing therapy. That's Lindsay Wright, a behavioral health clinician at the Telluride Regional Medical Center. She says the program is available for anyone who lives or works in San Miguel County. Sondermind is a Colorado-based therapy service provider providing telehealth care. Their therapist will be remote, so it is online telehealth therapy with two um, really great therapists that I helped to pick out. So I feel like I can say with confidence that they are great providers um, and they are through Sondermind. Wright notes one of the therapists is Spanish-speaking. She adds the pandemic and life is and has been challenging, and you don't need to be in a crisis point to deserve or receive care. I'm obviously biased as a therapist, but I'm a strong believer that I think everyone should go to therapy at some point in their life. I think we all have moments in time where we could use a little bit of support or some additional coping skills. Um, And I think there's no there's no correct time necessarily. I think if you have a goal and something you want to work on, it doesn't have to be a certain level of severity. Like therapy can still be a place for you. So I'm excited to provide that to more people. To qualify for the program, individuals must be a current patient with the medical center. You can send write a message through the med center portal to begin the process. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health emergency, call the Center for Mental Health 24-Hour Crisis Line at 970-252-6220. Tis the season to be giving. This year, San Miguel County ranked as one of the top in Colorado for its charitable giving. According to Smart Asset, a financial technology company based in New York, San Miguel County ranked sixth. Smart Asset created a Most Generous Places Index by looking at charitable contributions as a percentage of net income and the percentage of taxpayers that make charitable contributions in the county. San Miguel County came in sixth with a score of 44.02 on the Most Generous Places Index. It lost out to Douglas, Ebert, Eagle, and Boulder, with Pitkin County taking the top spot. Colorado voters may decide next year whether to legalize certain psychedelic drugs as treatment for depression and anxiety. Advocates say Colorado's current mental health programs are failing to fulfill their promise. A set of ballot initiatives filed with the Secretary of State's office would legalize drugs like psilocybin, more commonly known as magic mushrooms. If passed, Colorado would create a new program where adults could gain clinical access to the drugs. The ballot questions cleared some initial hearings this month, but supporters need to gather more than 120,000 signatures to secure a spot in next year's election. Oregon became the first state to legalize magic mushrooms as therapeutics in 2019. The American Psychiatric Association opposed that initiative, saying there wasn't enough research to support the drug as a safe treatment. After an uneasy early season, snowpack numbers in many parts of the Colorado River Basin are starting to tick up. KUNC's Alex Hager has more. A dry start to the season made for more than just sparse conditions on ski mountains. The snow that falls high in the Rockies also turns into the water supply for millions across the southwest, and it's starting to get closer to normal. After a particularly dry few months for Colorado, the state's mountains are crawling up to about 75% of average snow. Utah and Wyoming are also seeing some minor increases, with most of those states seeing around 60 or 70% of average. Further south, things are far drier, where Arizona and New Mexico are seeing many patches with less than a third of average snowpack. I'm Alex Hager. 
The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 30 degrees. Thursday snow showers are likely, then rain and snow showers, and back to snow showers with a high around 40 degrees. Thursday night there is a 90% chance of snow showers with a low around freezing. Winds could gust as high as 25 miles per hour. Friday expect snow showers with a high in the mid 40s and a low around 25 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 40 miles per hour. There is a winter storm warning in effect on Thursday and Friday. This has been the news for Wednesday, December 22nd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. KOTO News will be off on Thursday and Friday for the holiday weekend. We will be back with our regularly scheduled news programming on Monday, December 27th. And now, a personal commentary. Hey, Julia. I can't go see my family this year for the holidays. Why can't you go see your family? Well, they're in Mexico, and I don't have the privilege to travel. I'm really going to miss seeing them. Well, your community can also be your family. What do you mean by that? Learning to lean on your community like you would your family is helpful during times like this. Papa Noel is returning to Wilkinson Library on January 9th from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Oh yeah, Papa Noel. I think I saw a flyer for that, which reminds me, are there three languages on there? Yeah, it's Chu, spoken by Guatemalans. It's the third most spoken language in Telluride. Residents who speak neither English nor Spanish can be isolated from the rest of the community, so Kathy is making sure to include them in the upcoming holiday celebration. It's important to remember we're supported by our community. How do I learn more? Go to Tri-County Health Network's event page. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.